0: If you would, please turn the Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and also John chapter 1. Today, we are going to look at two different passages. You keep your place at Genesis 1 and keep your place at John 1, and we're going to look at both of those. Use a bookmark, you know, hold the page open. If you don't bring an actual physical Bible and you do it on your phone, I don't know how you do that. Just get lost. And... But for those of you all that have pages to turn, we'll be at Genesis 1 and John 1. While you're turning there, I want to say thank you to, to Alan Witham for that. Uh, church, you should be greatly encouraged. We have a, a strong and healthy church, and uh, the Bible says very clearly that it's one body of many parts, right? And so the, the recognition goes... Uh, To all of you all that serve the Lord and follow Christ and are a part of this, the Bible teaches us that we know from start to finish that he gets all the glory, right? To God be the glory. Psalm 115 says, Not to us, O God, not to us, but to your name be the glory. If anybody decides to recognize what is happening here, uh, we say thank you, but we praise God for what he's doing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, is the song in revelation of the end. Our Lord Jesus is worthy of whatever uh, is happening in our midst, and so we praise him for that. Uh, May you be encouraged today and thankful for the KBC for coming and recognizing what God is doing here. Uh, Christmas allows us to uh, move in directions or be more specific than we normally are. I mean, right now we have Christmas decorations throughout the sanctuary. We have been talking about this holiday for a while, all through November. We did the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. And so we have been thinking about Christmas for a while. And even in our homes, this sort of thing happens. And it's good. I know it creates some busyness and some hustle and bustle, but it, it allows us to be more specifically pointed toward Christ at Christmas, at least I hope so, and it raises some questions. You know, Christmas allows lots of good questions to come about. A few questions that I hear on a regular basis is, why do we put trees in our living rooms at Christmas, right? Right? Many people don't have real trees anymore. My family still gets a real tree, and just like inflation is hitting everything these days, inflation has hit the Christmas trees this year, if you have not noticed. Even for a tree that I'm going to throw away or burn in a bonfire here in about four weeks, it is expensive now, right? But at Christmas time, you'll ask those questions, why? Why do we do that? Or you've heard the question before, why do we give presents? Why do we give presents at Christmas time? I, I don't know the answers to those questions. All right, but I'm saying that Christmas raises lots of good questions. It does. My family does kind of a, a more intensified family devotional during the holiday season. We call it our our Advent devotional. We do it do it each evening, and the kids enjoy that. It consists of uh, this little Advent house that, that Val and I've made, and there's usually a candy or a treat or a starburst or something inside of it that the kids like. But we, we read the Bible, and we go through the Christmas story each night, and we sing some songs. Right now we're singing, Oh, uh, Come All Ye Faithful, and Hark the Herald. We sing that every evening from Learn That, Memorize That, uh, and then we spend time praying together. But as we're talking about these things, we get, especially when, when the kids are still awake, Uh, We get some good questions, and our kids have been asking some good questions about this, and we hear things like, well, why did Adam and Eve listen to the snake? Because early on in the story, we go back to uh, Genesis, and they ask, well, why did they even listen to the snake? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? That's a really good question. If God said, Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Satan said, do listen to it, why in the world did they not listen to God? And they did listen to the snake, right? This is a good question, right? And these type of questions at Christmas time come up, and sometimes we have answers and sometimes we don't. But what I want to point out to you, as our family is recognizing here in the early days of the Christmas season, is the question of where does Christmas begin? Where does Christmas begin? And today I want to show you that Christmas begins with creation. That Christmas begins with creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1, the first page of the Bible, the first verses of the Bible. It reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God is the author of His book. He is the author of His Word. And while God is the author of His Word, it was still written by men, men that God used and inspired and worked through them. And so we know that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, but it was God who told Moses what to write when He wrote the book of Genesis. In these first few sentences and verses of the Bible, we see God making very clear that He is the Creator. If you are to be a believer in God according to His truth, if you are to be a believer in Christ according to His truth and a follower, then you are to know and believe that God is the Creator. There was a time when things began, and when God decided to begin things, God was already there. God is eternal, and there is no beginning to God. But things are not eternal, and there is a beginning to things. And God, the eternal God, is the creator of them. To read the Bible and want to understand what it is teaching, it is to know that, that God is the creator. Then the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2 and throughout talks about how the world came to be, how He created, what He did, in what order, in what way. Here we read at verse 3 that God did it by speaking. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke things into existence, right? There are lots of things that we don't have answered in the creation story. But what we do know from the creation story is that God is creator, God is powerful, and He is so powerful that He can create out of nothing by simply speaking. His Word has power, and we see this. Well, when you turn into the New Testament now, and you turn to John chapter 1, John is a great writer. And he's written John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, those three letters. And he wrote the book of Revelation. We have five New Testament books from John the Apostle. His gospel here, the gospel of John at chapter 1, is also well-written. To study John is to see that it is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other three Gospels. Those three are very similar. John's Gospel is different. John writes really well. There's a lot of order, a lot of structure, a lot of uh, outline to the Gospel of John. Many of those themes and outlines you know. But John does something at the beginning of his gospel that the others don't do. John gives us a prologue, right? The first 18 verses of the gospel of John are this this introduction before he really gets started. And there he covers huge themes in a very, very simple way. The Bible is awesome at this. If you don't read the Bible, you're often intimidated by the Bible, thinking that it's just so big and it's so long and it's so complicated, and I've got so many questions. But if you read the Bible and you listen to the Bible, you see that it's not as intimidating as you think it is, that it is well written by God. Yes, there are some things that are a little more heavy or complicated than others, but there are lots of truths in there that are plain as day. In the beginning, God created it all, right? And we are to understand God as creator. Well, in John, he is doing a wonderful job in the New Testament in light of the coming of Jesus of showing us creation mattering in our everyday lives. Look at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jump down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John is telling us in John chapter 1, that we need to think about life with starting with creation. And John is telling us in John chapter 1 that we need to think about life starting with Jesus. John brings creation and Jesus together in a simple yet profound way. This is not complicated. This is not long. It is deep, but it is clear. He is talking about creation... And he's talking about Jesus. Today's sermon is about Christmas begins with creation. My first point today, number one, is that Jesus is the creator God. This sets us apart from every other religion in the world. This sets us apart from all of the good folks out there that have beliefs in a higher power, all the good folks out there that believe in the divine. This sets us apart from all the religious people in the world that are good people doing good works in the name of God. All of that, this sets us apart. Not only do we believe in a higher power and a creator and the big man upstairs and all of those things, but we believe that the person Jesus Christ is that creator God. Now, the Creator God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in a trinity. But for today, in this Christmas season, number one, I want you to hear that Jesus is the Creator God. John really could not be more clear about this. John begins the Gospel, his first three words, with in the beginning. And anybody that's ever read the Bible knows that when you say in the beginning, it takes you back to Genesis 1-1. Obviously, John is trying to get you to think about Genesis 1. That's what he's doing. In the beginning, in the beginning. If you were out at school or you were in work, and you use the phrase, in the beginning, right, then people would be drawn back, taken back to creation in Genesis 1, and that's what John is doing. He's talking about creation, but John immediately goes to talking about Jesus, and he uses some good, strong language. He's calling Christ the Word, okay? He's calling Christ here the Word, okay? The communication of God, the message of God, the the heartfelt uh, sending of God. Of Christ, he is using the, the word the word here to describe Christ. But he is making sure that he that we recognize that God is creator and that Jesus is creator. Look what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So there they're not the same thing. They're two different persons. You've got God the Father. And you've got the Word, and they were there together. But in the very next statement, he says, and the Word was God. Jesus was with God in creation, and Jesus was God in creation. Both of those things are true. Now, I realize that you may have thought, well, man, I didn't know I was going to school today, Josh. I just wanted you to preach me a Christmas sermon. But sometimes the Bible wants us to learn, right? The Bible wants us to learn. John is trying to get us to see that you and I are accountable to our Maker. God made us. We need to know that. We need to believe in Him. And yet, John wants us to not think, well, he's far off in the stars somewhere and I can't really get answers. John wants us to know that the God that made us is the God who came to us, the God who loves is the God who gives, and the God who loves and the God who gives and the God who makes is the God who came to us to die on the cross for our sins, that you and I would feel that our guilty, sinful lives can find love and peace and forgiveness through what God has done. He wants us to abandon thinking that we can do better or we can get better or we can get good enough. And he wants us to set our eyes upon Jesus, the God creator who also died for our sins. At the end of John, in John chapter 20, John writes, I am writing these things to you that you may believe that Jesus is the son of God. He says, this is why I'm writing that you would believe. That's John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31. Here's why I'm writing. And he begins with creation. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the Creator God, which means Jesus is eternal. Now this is fascinating because we're talking about and singing about and learning about, well, we know when He was born, right? We know when He was conceived. And this is really important, okay, because the Bible teaches us that while Jesus is God, Jesus is man. And that's my second point, which we'll get to in a minute. But let's start here that Jesus is the Creator God. Jesus is eternal. There is no end to Christ, and there was no beginning to Christ. In John chapter 17, you don't have to turn there, but I want you to make note of it. In John chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, in verse 5, Jesus says this, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Did you hear that? Jesus said, and he prayed, John 17, 5, God, glorify me with the glory that you and I had before the world existed. John 17, 5. Now John 1, 1 and John 1, 2 makes more sense, doesn't it? The Word was with God in the beginning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says that Christ is the image of the invisible God and he is before all things. He was before all things. It says that in Colossians 1. If you look back to John chapter 1, you cannot mistake this for being just God, a general uh, God, a father, or just God the Father. He is talking about Christ. Look, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look at this, verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. You would have to be blinded, or you would have to be brainwashed for you to try to convince yourself that that's talking about just God the Father. He is clearly trying to distinguish that the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, Christ, Jesus Christ, is involved in creation. That's exactly the point he's making. He was in the beginning with God. Nobody would read that and say, well, it's just talking about God, just just general God. Nobody would think that unless you're trying to convince yourself something that is not true. He wants us to see this as Christ. In verse 3, he says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John wants you and I to believe that Jesus is the creator. Now, we read in Genesis 1 about creation, and we didn't look at it today, but if you go and read Genesis chapter 1, you will see God referring to himself in the plural. He uses us. He uses we, and God does that. And these are signs that you don't pick up on at first, but these are signs of God referring to Himself in the plural because God is the one God that exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there are glimpses there. John makes this much more clear here in John chapter 1 when he talks about Jesus being the Creator God. R.C. Sproul writing on God being the Creator says this, There was no pre-existing material... God created from nothing. He decided that things should exist and called them into being with His Word. God gave the creation an existence dependent on His own existence, yet distinct from it. In the work of creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit acted together. He goes on, he says, as the world order is not self-created, so also it is not self-sustaining as God is. The universe is constantly upheld by God without this activity of the divine Son. Every creature of every kind, including ourselves, would cease to be. Did you hear that? If Christ is not upholding everything, everything at all in the whole universe, then every creature of every every kind, including ourselves, would cease to be. Jesus Christ is that huge. He is that powerful. You may recall the words of Christ in the Great Commission when he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. John chapter 1 says, He made everything. Jesus is the Creator God. Well, like I said, Christmas will raise some questions, and it does. Dr. Jim Hamilton, speaking about the beauty of John's prologue, says this, There is something so beautiful and glorious, so complex and simple here, and it must be admired. Listen to this. John is like a man holding out a diamond to a viewer who, after the initial awe-inspiring presentation, begins to turn the stone so that all its facets might be admir- admired from various angles. This is what John's doing with his gospel. This is what John's doing with his prologue. He tells us that Jesus is God, and then he starts turning it and showing us all of this beauty of Christ throughout the gospel of John. It is fascinating. Jesus is the creator God. But secondly, the creator God became a man. The Creator God became a man. This is what Christmas is all about. This is what we mean when we talk about the incarnation. When a divine being or a deity takes on human form, bodily form, takes on flesh, this is what the incarnation is. And this is a huge distinct belief of Christianity. We believe that the one true God, that the maker of heaven and earth became a human. In my first point, I talked about Jesus being eternal, but we know when Christ was born, right? Roughly 2,000 years ago, right? We don't actually think that December 25th was his birthday. I don't know what his actual birthday is, but we do know that roughly 2,000 years ago, Jesus was on earth. We know that he had a mother named Mary who conceived him, and he was in her womb, and he was delivered by her. But he did not have an earthly dad. And so in that's why in our passage that Matt read, it said, as they thought that Joseph was his dad, because Joseph was not actually his father. But so what we have in studying Jesus is we have, he is the creator God, so he is eternal, but he is a man, and so we know when he was born. He is always now to be a man forever. In heaven right now, seated at the right hand of God, he is a human being there, a man. He died and God raised him back to life. He lives forever. So Jesus, the Creator God, became a man. He is both God and man. We see this clearly in verse 14 of John chapter 1, look back there. It could not be more clear than this. And the Word, which is the Word from verse 1, became flesh. He wasn't flesh, but He became flesh. He was God, and as God, He took on flesh. Don't miss that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He became a man. We are to know that the human being Jesus is the Creator God. This, in turn, becomes Really, the whole challenge, do you think, do you believe that the man that lived on earth 2,000 years ago, known as Jesus the Christ, is actually the Christ of God, the Messiah or the Savior? Those three words basically mean the same thing, Christ, Messiah, and Savior. Do you believe that he's the Savior of the world? There are lots of people and lots of religions on earth today who recognize Jesus Christ as a real person, a godly person, an influential person, but they do not believe Him to be the Savior of the world, the one sent to be God's Redeemer. And yet, this is what the Bible is teaching us. And so, this becomes the issue. Who was this Christ? And was He the Savior? Is He God that took on flesh? You might recall in John chapter 8, When Jesus himself is in an argument with the Pharisees, the leader of the Jews, they're arguing. And Jesus is saying that he is the most important one to them, and they're saying, no, Abraham is the most important one to to us. And they're going back and forth on who's more important, Jesus or Abraham. And Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 58, Before Abraham was, I am. Now, Abraham died a long time ago, and that's what they pointed out. Who do you think you are more important than him, or older than him, or been around before him? And they say that to Jesus, and Jesus says, I tell you truly, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus always was. Not as a human being, but as Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, he was. That's why we read in that genealogy that Matt had to read. And Matt, you did a great job reading all those names, man. <laughs> Matt had to read all of those names. But Matthew, in his genealogy, takes us back to just Abraham. But Luke's genealogy, which is the one he read, did you hear how it ended? The son of Adam, the son of God, Jesus. The human being, Jesus, is God and God's Son, both. The Bible wants us to understand this. Now, this is a big belief that Christians have always believed. But perhaps we haven't taught on it in a while, or you're not thinking about it. And I'm thankful that Christmas is bringing this back to mind. We're singing all these outstanding songs. An argument could be made, could it not? That Christmas songs are the best songs of all. The theology, the doctrine, the teaching in Christmas songs is often just outstanding. Andrew Crawford is doing a great job leading in this song. Do you see what he did there? We sang, Oh, come all ye unfaithful, and then we sang, Oh, come all ye faithful. Did y'all notice that? He is teaching us faithfully through the Bible what we are to believe. Christmas songs are doing a great job of pointing out to us that this baby Christ, that this whole holiday is centered around, is Jesus the God-man, the Creator God who became a man. And we must understand this. In Andrew Peterson's song, Labor of Love, he writes this, The baby in the womb is the maker of the moon. Does everybody hear that? The baby in the womb was the maker of the moon. He was the author of the faith, and he could make the mountains move. We are to understand that the baby Christ, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus, crucified on the cross, risen from the grave, reigning now on high, is the Creator God, and he also is a human being. We are to recognize that. But there's another song that points this out even better. It's the song, Mary, Did You Know?, There are mixed opinions about Mary, did you know, right? It's actually annoying how often they ask, Mary, did you know? Did you know this? Did you know this? Right? And the song says it over and over again. And I don't know if you like that song. I don't really care if you like that song. I hope you do like it. I like Christmas songs. But in this song, it hits the nail on the head at understanding that Christ is God and Christ is man, that Jesus is the God-man. Let me read to you just a few lyrics from Mary, did you know? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. It goes on. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb? And the sleeping child you're holding is the great, the great I Am. Christmas starts with creation, and we are to know that. John MacArthur writes, because of John's theme, John's gospel, because of John's theme that Jesus Christ is the eternal God, the second person of the Trinity, he did not include a genealogy like Matthew and Luke did. While in terms of Jesus' humanity, Jesus has a human genealogy. But in terms of his deity, he has no genealogy. There was nothing before Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that Word, existing for eternity past, became flesh to be like me and you. To know what we've been through. To know what it's like to suffer. To recognize sin in this fallen world. But He did not sin. So that, in the greatest demonstration of love that the world has ever seen and the world ever will see, the One who knew no sin became our sin. And God did not pull out a paddle or a whipping stick and give us a stern look that teaches us to get ourselves together. We weren't raised like that. God sacrificed His Son for us so that whoever believes in Him will be forgiven of their sins and have eternal life and live with God forever. The Bible says later in John chapter 1, verse 12, that whoever did believe on Him, He gave the right to become children of God. This is what we recognize at Christmas, that Christmas begins with creation. And if it is true that Jesus is the Creator God and the Creator God became a man, then that raises all sorts of questions, does it not? These great truths, this solid biblical teaching, which is a strong teaching, it leads us to go further. It causes us to dig deeper. It causes us to think in directions that we haven't thought before. And we should be asking even more questions. Last night, I had a kid ask me, Well, why did God even allow sin into the world to begin with? And that's a good one. That led them to ask. Does that mean He created the sin? I say go ask your mom on that one. But this is what the Bible wants us to do. The Bible does not want us to run from answers. The Bible does not want us to run from questions. The Bible wants us to believe that our Maker knows what He's doing. He knows what His message is. He knows what He has for us, and He knows what you and I need. Not only physically, whether we need our daily bread, or whether we need income, or whether we need support through community. He knows what we need by way of understanding, by way of hearing the truth. He knows what we need. and We must believe that His book, this Holy Word of God, is the exact, ideal, perfect message for us that we would understand fully who God is, to our limited capacity. We would understand who we are in our sinful natures, fallen away from God and His glory, and yet that we would understand who He is in being a Savior to mankind. Number one, Jesus is the Creator God. Number two, the Creator God became a man. And third and finally, Jesus the God-man came to die for the sins of the world. If Jesus is the Creator and he is man. He's the God-man. He's the creator of it all. He was in the beginning with God, and there wasn't anything made without being made through him. If that is true, then we must be asking, well, then how in the world did he die? How did he die? How could he have died? Why did he die? Those questions are huge. Those are good questions. But we must find the meaning in Because God is worthy and glorious. God is meant to be worshipped. He's worthy to receive our worship. He gets all the glory. And so, God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, chapter 3 says, but so that the world might be saved through Him. As you come to hear the message of the Creator God becoming like you as a man and then dying for you, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and draws hearts to Himself. As we sit here hearing the truth of God, we are drawn to say, I want a God like that in my life. I want a Father over me spiritually. I want love and forgiveness and peace to shape my life. And I understand that through creation and through Christmas, God is redeeming me to Himself. God is working in my life to make me one of His. This is the way we are to think. That's why sitting there, and of course my mind was being totally consumed by what was the KBC representative going to say today, the IMB video comes on, and I was absolutely encouraged, almost led to tears. I think I yelled out loud something sitting there, as somebody in the far reaches of the world says there's 50 people, did y'all hear that? 50 people in a village somewhere, that makes Fairdale look like New York City. 50 people, and yet they met one lady who believed. And through that one lady believing, 30 homes are accepting the gospel now. Did y'all hear that in the video? Those videos aren't fillers for for y'all to shuffle through and try to find the place where in the Bible. Those videos are meant to stir our souls to believe in God, to believe in the Savior Jesus, and to say, God, get me involved with that. Whether it's praying, giving, or going, get me involved with it. And Christmas is bringing us to the place where we recognize that our Creator loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die, that we would be forgiven, that we would not make excuses, that we would not ask questions that are just going to lead us further and further into doubting the truth, that we would believe that God is the truth and He sent His Son to die for us. Listen to this quote here from J.C. Ryle, speaking about this very passage. He says, let us mark what kind of being the redeemer of mankind must be in order to provide eternal redemption for sinners. If no one less than the eternal God, the creator and preserver of all things, could take away the sin of the world, sin must be a far more abominable thing in the sight of God than most men suppose. The right measure of sin's sinfulness is the dignity of Him who came into the world to save sinners. If Christ is so great, then sin must indeed be sinful. Would we know for another thing the strength of a true Christian's foundation for hope? Let us often read these first verses in the Gospel of John. Let us mark that the Savior in whom the believer is bid to trust is nothing less than the eternal God, one able to save to the uttermost all that come to the Father by Him. He that was with God and he that was God is also Emmanuel. God with us. Let us thank God that our help is laid on one that is mighty. In ourselves, we are great sinners, but in Jesus Christ, we have a great Savior. He is a strong foundation stone, able to bear the weight of a world's sin, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. This Christmas church, let's take it all the way back. To creation. Let's remember the words in the beginning from Genesis 1 and John 1. And let's remember that there has never, ever, ever been a time where the love of God was not for us in the work of Christ. Let's remember at Christmas time that we have a Savior that forgives all of our sins. And if you're here today not trusting in Christ, We would ask you to believe. Turn to Him. Your Creator has provided everything you need for you to be right with Him. Your Creator has sent His Son to die for your judgment and punishment. Forgiveness is available, and Christmas encourages us to believe all of that. Jesus is the Creator God. The Creator God became a man Jesus, the God-man, came to die for the sins of the world. May you believe it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the story of the Bible and the Savior, Jesus. Father, we ask that you would stir in our hearts to believe, to not gloss through or hurry through this season, but to think deeply upon the truths of Scripture, the truths of God, that our maker is our savior. God, thank you for that. God, we ask your blessing on us. We pray that you would stir in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.